Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Visual Workplace Radio. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we explore, describe, celebrate the principles and practices, concepts and tools, methods and strategies, people and results of implementing workplace visuality, of the technologies of the visual workplace, and how they help us let the workplace speak, let the machine speak, let the enterprise speak. Informational transparency, cultural alignment, robust, spirited employee engagement on all levels of the enterprise, not just operator value-add level, but everyone, CEO, supervisor, and you too. (laughs) And you too. Welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen in. I hope that these shows are useful to you. I've got a couple of things I we finally figured out. We have been thinking about a way to get to you some of the formats that I've been describing. And duh, the dawn came yesterday when we realized all you have to do is send us an email, radio at visualworkplace.com, and ask for, for example, the X-Type Matrix, which I'm going to be talking about today. We'll send you a blank and we'll send you a um, one that's filled in as a kind of sample It's not very sophisticated, but it will show you how things work. We'll send you the OSIT and other formats that I'm discussing so that you can have them and then maybe you can refer to the show in which I describe them and it'll make a lot more sense. I don't know why this didn't occur to us earlier. We had been thinking about putting a part of the website, setting it aside for handouts and downloads But at the moment, that's a bit cumbersome for reasons that I only partly understand. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm describing these two-dimensional formats that will be able to, you know, go through the ethers and land in your computer so easily if we could just find a way. And then we got it. So if you want these, just say, Dear Gwendolyn or Dear Visual Workplace Radio, please send me a copy of Bleh, and we will. Give us a little bit of time. A few days, and uh, and we will send that to you with our thanks for listening. Our website is visualworkplace.com. The email is radio at visualworkplace.com. And you can also, in any of your emails, ask questions, ask us to do a show on whatever you wish. We will certainly consider it. Send us photographs of your visual devices, commentary, stories, that radio at visualworkplace.com. That email is dedicated to you. So please use it. We hope to hear from you. And we hope that that's a good solution, the one we just, the one I just described. Okay. So we are in the midst of my series on visual leadership. We began, I'm just going to kind of summarize the things up to now so that you know where we're placed. We began with a discussion of how visuality does it. That was the very first show. It's about, it was in fact six shows ago, ago. How visuality does it. How visuality culturally transforms the enterprise and creates a spirited, engaged, and aligned workforce, not just operators, as I said in my opening, but supervisors, staff, and executives. That is the power of liberating information and transforming that information into visual devices that connect, that bring meaning, and that create a language, an embedded language, a visual language of the enterprise. That show was followed up by another that had a single purpose, to clear up a fundamental misunderstanding, the telling difference between managing and leading. 
And there were a few stories that went with it. One story was about Churchill. Another one was about this great Indian business leader, Venu Srinivasan, who's doing amazing work in his enti- his retirement, as he did when he was full-fledged and very active executive of TVS Sundram Clayton in India. So with that distinction established, managing versus leading, we turn to the importance of shifting the identity of managers and supervisors so that they could encompass more visionary tasks and outcomes in their position descriptions and shifting the identity of executives who in many companies are just high-level managers. How do they become leaders? And we talked about my experience at Akibono Break when I encountered this term 35 years ago, 40 years ago, for the first time, becoming a leader of improvement. In the first of the show about shifting identities, I presented the first of two seven-element job descriptions. They were around, if you remember, the the hexagon. So there were seven elements, an anchor hexagon in the middle, and then six that moved clockwise around that center to describe, in one set, the new job description for executives, and in the second set, and that was the following show, for managers and supervisors, whom I group as one group, managers and supervisors. And that's because executives are responsible for defining and publishing the corporate intent. Managers and supervisors are responsible for operationalizing it. So we put them in two sets, in those two sets, one for defining publishing and actually driving the corporate intent executives and the other four managers and supervisors responsible for operationalizing it. And we call that group supervisors. Although I think every time I mention supervisors, I always say (laughs) in parentheses, and you know, that includes managers, so forgive me. (laughs) But these are collaborative goals. Neither one can be done in isolation defining the corporate intent and operationalizing it. The very fact that the roles and the outcomes are connected yet distinctly different automatically makes this important work to do together, sort of like our government. There are three distinct bodies, President, Congress, and Supreme Court. They have distinct and separate roles, the separation of powers, and distinct contributions, yet they must work together. Otherwise, the goal of our democracy can never be met. And we will pay an awful price as we see it fail. Anyway, you can watch the nightly news on any station you wish to see what happens when that doesn't happen. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's hard to watch. Mm? The governance, protection, and growth of your company works most much the same way. The governance, protection, and growth of your company works much the same way. Distinction within a collaborative willingness, separation, and yet collaboration. In our last two shows, moving on, show five and show six in the leadership series, in the visual leadership series, I went through a scan of the first of the three executive leadership tools, the OSIT. The other two tools are the X-Type Matrix and the War Room. So it's the OSIT, the Operation Systems Improvement Template. You can see why we call it OSIT. It's such a mouthful. The X-Type and the War Room. And during the last two shows, I gave some description about the OSIT and advised you that you will not be able to implement it on the basis of two one-hour radio shows. Still, I hope it inspired you to consider some of the premises, some of the propositions, some of the possibilities that I shared with you. And take some part of that and work on it. I gave you three or four or five different ways. One of the most recent was to clarify what you want from the company. That was the, I want, I want, 
what you really, really want. Let it be personal. Let it resonate within you, in your interior space, something that's very close to your heart, something that you want for your company, something that you feel passionate about. And I advised you to be patient, to hold that to your heart, but be patient while you learn the rest, how these things work together. So I'm now going to do a little bit of a a refocusing and then move into the X-type. In a sentence, what do executives do? Leaders of improvement on the executive level, they set the direction, assign resources, hold steady to the course, and go first. Set the direction, assign resources, hold steady to the course, and go first. The purpose of the OSIT is to set the direction, to get clear about how the elements of that nine-element construct work together, customer working with vision, working with mission, working with values and beliefs, working with strategy, and separately, what is the macro metric? And then moving to strategic principles, and then moving to tactical systems where you have strengths and where you need to grow, you need more strength, and methodologies to find that more strength, to strengthen methodologies that strengthen this construct, to understand your enterprise. That's what the OSIT is for. We can reduce that. And I did this in considering the last show because I wanted to kind of get it more central so you understand what the purpose is. I'm going to introduce somewhat new words, but I think that they will relate so closely to what we've been discussing in the last two shows that they'll clarify. That is my hope. I began the OSIT discussion by saying there's something missing from the other houses, the house of Toyota or the Toyota Temple and Virginia Mason and Danaher, the great houses, the Scania house. There need to be five elements for, for these houses to work, to name the horizon. Why? So it can be owned Name it so it can be owned. To have focus in order to make sure that others don't lose sight of that horizon. What is that horizon about this year? That's number two. Horizon is one, two is focus. Three is valence to give the elements of that house a positive or negative or neutral charge. Does this matter this year? Or doesn't it matter this year? Is this something we're going to invest in, in terms of our time, our improvement hope, our improvement vision? Or we're going to wait? Valence. That's number three. Four is drive, requiring people that they join you in the race, that they put both legs on the bus or jump off. And five, and this is really, really important, as though the others aren't. The others are of equal importance, but this one is so often overlooked in an improvement-minded company and that is pace, pacing, governing the consumption of resources, the consumption of time, of money, of hope, belief, and the consumption of will, our will to do. You have to find a pace that is committed but not exhausting. It is, pace has to do with the ability to accelerate if all the factors are there, or to, ex- to de-accelerate if something is wanting. In other words, pace is governance, governance of the drive forward. Lots of companies 
suffer from something called improvement fatigue. They just get fed up with improving. They just need to be ordinary for a while and not to be victorious, just to come to work and do the work. It doesn't mean that you as a leader give up on your goals and objectives and vision. It's just that you have the good sense to say, this is the out-breath. The in-breath is, man, we're going to charge, we're going to, we're going to, Charge up that hill. And the out-breath is, ah, we're here. Let's rest for a minute. (laughs) Let's open our cans of beans and eat. So it's these elements, and this will bridge us over to the X-type. Because what you're doing with the operation systems improvement template or the house, whatever house you choose to use, I like mine because it's got, for me, the missing moving parts that other houses don't have, where you can actually use it to assess against your vision. You can say, if that's my vision, and that's our mission, and this is our strategy, I actually know how the company stacks up. I get to know the profile of my company through the architecture of the OSIT. But that's about naming and owning the horizon and making sure that others know about it. The X-type is about valence. This is what matters. Driving it and pacing it, the consumption of resources. And I make that separation. These are also important elements of effective leadership. But right now, I am talking about using the X-type to continue with the clarity and insight that you gained through your development of the OSIT. We talked in the last show about how important it is for you as an executive leader to do this work yourself. This is your homework. You prepare your brain. You prepare your heart. You prepare your intelligence. You prepare your intention. And you say, this is what we're about. I want a 40-day engine. I want a 40-day engine. I know it currently takes us 250 days, but I want it in 40 days. Rolls-Royce wasn't that bad. Still waiting to hear back from Steve and Peter. They retired. They're somewhere in either China or Spain and not together, so i got to find one of them. They don't check in their LinkedIn accounts very often. Let me keep trying. What happens when these elements work together, you get something that I like to call by an old engineering term, vector force, the combination of direction and thrust. It isn't just I know where I'm going. Man, I've got a rocket ship behind me that's going to get me there. Vector force. Sounds like the next uh, Marvel Comics movie. Vector force in Manhattan. Vector force in Rhode Island. (laughs) Okay. So, we talked about a number of things. And we talked about how important it was to make this your own. So, now let me move on to the X-type matrix. One of my favorite. I do have to place it in context. I'm going to use three pieces to place it in context. I'm going to do this thing, what do leaders do, but with more definition than before. Leaders first formulate an effective operational strategy, and then they implement it, they deploy it, and they deploy it to their direct reports, who then operationalize it give it a particular daily hands and feet, a kind of translation. But I want to add two elements to what I just said about what do leaders do first and then. I want to add something before the first that goes like this. Leaders first have to learn how to formulate and implement an effective operational strategy. They have to learn how to. And then they do it, and they implement it, and then they do something at the other end, like two bookends. They have to learn how to sustain it, 
how to stay the course. This is directly where the X-type comes in. The X-type is a single page, and I'm going to describe it in some detail so you can draw it along, you can draw it out as I'm talking about it. It's got an X on it. It has four quadrants. But I want to kind of put the, the context around it, the frame. And remember, I quoted, and I quote again right now, Rick Page from his darling little book, (laughs) Hope is Not a Strategy, about what is strategy. And he said, hope is not a strategy. A system is not a strategy. A system is a kind of administrative feedback loop. That's me talking. Hope is not a strategy. A system is not a strategy. The essence of strategy is allocating resources to the place and time that best exploits your competitors' weaknesses. This is stratagem in the Greek sense of the word, the ancient Greek use of strategy for their generals. This is stratagem. Okay? So let's describe the X-type. It is the way to operationalize, make real, take to the next step of make deployable the vision and mission. So put it, take a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11, and fold it in half the long way, the long way. And then fold it the short way in thirds. So you have three light columns if you're holding it um, landscape style, three columns that are folded paper, and then a um, fold in the middle horizontally. In the first column, going from left to right, in the first column, but crossing over into the second column a little bit, you put a square. Better yet, put an X. Put an X, a rather large X, probably two and a half, three inches on each rod, on each uh, lateral of the X. Put an X in the middle of the paper. And then put a box around that X. It'll be a square. It'll be, off, of course, off proportion because you're doing it by hand. You're not Michelangelo. We're not expecting perfection coming out of your fingertips, the perfect circle. <laughs> Put an X there. And then number it, as it were. I'm going to give you letters. A is going to be between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. We're going to do the old uh, clock thing. So it's going to be the quadrant of the X on your left, furthest left, that quadrant. Then going clockwise, B becomes the one that goes from 10 o'clock to about 2 o'clock. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. The upper part of the X looks like a V. The next quadrant will be C, and you can put this close to the nexus of the X to kind of get it out of the way. That'll be C. And then the one at the bottom, like um, a V upside down, will be D. This is why it's called the X-type matrix. And the X-type matrix functions because of the limitations in the physical architecture. The physical architecture, the limits of the lines themselves, which we're going to populate around this X-type matrix, is part of what makes this such an efficient tool for assigning and governing resources and getting results. And it's all going to be on a single page. If you want to, you can put it on a 17 by 11, you know, to give yourself a little bit more room because we will be adding quadrants. I'm sorry, we will be adding dimensions of meaning. But let's go to the A part. The A part is called policy or high-level goals. This is on the executive level. There'll be a step-down of maybe three, but more likely two. So you're going to do it. Your direct reports are going to do it. We'll say you as a plant manager, you're going to do it. Your direct reports are going to do one just like it, but for their own function. 
And after that, my recommendation is you switch to the roadmap, which we will discuss when we get to supervisory tools. The roadmap is drawn directly from the X-type matrix. It is its friendly face. Man, I love this stuff. This works so well. Okay. But you got to do it. And you got to listen to the piece of paper. You know, you could go on Google right now if you're, obviously you're on some kind of electronic uh, formulation of information. So if you're near Google, just look up the X-Type and you'll get the imprint right away. There's a powerful architectural construct. And in that first quad- quadrant, which we're calling A, you're going to put your goals, high-level goals. On the plant level, it might be to uh, reduce rework by 50%. Let's talk manufacturing for right now, but it works just as well for hospitals and offices. It is really a universal tool, universally adaptable, if you will obey it. We'll talk about that a little bit more, about the power of limits, how the limits themselves are the teacher. So, in general, the kind of rule is... Five objectives on the plant level, no more than seven. Because there's going to be another quadrant where you resource this. You're resourcing it through people's time. That'll be an extension of the C quadrant. Bear with me. So you get the goals. And then you think about these goals, and they might be, for example, um, a fixed and firm schedule, although that could be the super, super goal. that, That encompasses everything. It could be, for example, um, inventory or reliability. It could be, and you can say how much. It's fine to put some quantitative goals in there. That's just fine. It could be um, introduction of certain new products or new product lines. But for me, the X-type matrix is about improvement. It is a tool for improvement leadership, I want to make this distinction. You can make an X-type for maintenance. In other words, that which just keeps things the way they are without improvement, without a focus on growth, without even an appetite of growth. But my advice to you is you keep these two separate so that you can balance the resources, because resources are going to be needed to maintain your current level of anything. And if you can't resource it, you can't put it on there. You have to have the discipline to say no. It's crazy for me to include this as a goal and to publish it, to advocate for it and to require it if I know that we don't have the surplus. We don't have the manpower. Or maybe we don't have the knowledge. We don't have any methodologies of improvement. Okay. So for me, the X-type is an improvement construct, but it doesn't ignore what is needed for maintenance to maintain your company with its firefighting, excuse me, I'm not describing your company, but some companies, with its firefighting, some companies, its firefighting, with its instability of supervisors coming and going, and you can't hold on to your, to your operators, and you've got problems with the supply chain, and the kinds of things that happens in, happen in traditional manufacturing just because you haven't yet really advanced on the journey to operational excellence. There's no fault there. You just need to know it. You need to know what you are capable of doing and what forward means, what growth means for you. You may remember the show on what does growth mean for you and can you resource it, okay? The next quadrant, the the B quadrant, which will be kind of like at noon, it spans about 10.30 to about 1.30. (laughs) I don't have these divisions quite right based on the clock are going to be the projects that you name, that you want to support that. So if you had 
a three-level goal that would say increase market share, a fixed and firm schedule, and something else. You would have three or four projects coming out of, for example, fixed and firm schedule, and they would be listed in the B quadrant. And you'd have seven to 10 maximum on the plant level, seven to 10 maximum. And you connect those through the cells of a grid, going up the A side, connecting with the B side, cutting across, look at Google, see the X type, you'll get it immediately. Send us an email, it'll be later than Google. Okay, so you have the projects and you name them and you name them carefully. And when you do this and you do this by yourself as homework, just as you did the OSIT, after you got the OSIT, then you can have a conversation with your direct reports. You can ask them to do an OSIT. You can ask them to share their vision. You can ask them to to show you your thinking and you will probably find out that they don't understand and that you better do some basic education on what is vision, what is mission, what is strategy, what's a metric, what's a macro metric. Wonderful work for you. You might spend six months in educating your team. Do that because then your team can not only support you, but they can help you reach those goals. Mm-hmm. So use that as the opportunity. Get them smart. I mean, I actually sat, this was about three months ago, sat in a room with uh, the, the head of engineering. And he wasn't able to describe the purpose of his department. He just had never been asked before. It wasn't his fault. It was also not a part of his education. He was never asked, even though he was a very, very capable engineer. And he had nine people reporting to him. He was never asked the purpose, this kind of uh, distillation of what we're doing together. What is my contribution? How does my function fit into the, the enterprise? It may seem a basic question. Don't you dare snicker at him because he was extremely sincere and willing, but he had never been asked, and his boss had never asked him because his boss was never asked for that from his boss. This was a corporation that had some plants. I was working with one of them. Okay? So, same thing with the X-type. What's a project? Because we're now going to move around to the C-quadrant, you make lines cutting across horizontally for the B, and now you make vertical lines coming down for the C quadrant. And here you put your anticipated or expected results. And this is quantitative. A 3 to 5% increase, a 25 to 35% decrease, linearity in our schedule plus or minus five hours. You've got your goals. In your D quadrant, we're going to do more, but in the D quadrant, you put money made as a result of reaching that goal, you've calculated it, or money saved. Money made or money saved. And the feeders will be into, and there's usually three or four um, in that group of how certain projects are going to contribute to the money made, to cost savings, and maybe another category of cost savings. This will be coming directly out of the project, which led to the results, and the results lead to money made or money saved. And you'll get millions, and you'll see it right there in the quadrant. That is the very heart of the X-type matrix. The X-type matrix has a voice and an instruction. It is a teacher, and it's saying these things to you. And the extension of D is the cross-hatching that will lead you back to A. And you will be able to see, because you have fabricated it, thanks to the architecture of the X-type, you will be able to see the congruency and the logic of your plan. 
And you will also be able to see the incongruency, the illogic of your thinking. So it can't be turned into a plan yet because your thinking is muddy. Because you haven't really thought through what is it? What is the level of firm, fixed and firm schedule? What does that translate into? That means five deviations a week? What is fixed and firm? What am I shooting for here? What is my 40-day engine? What is um, inventory accuracy? You have already justified that you need it in your OSIT. You will see that you are weak in that area, material consumption and traceability, and that this is a real opportunity, and probably if you're a part of a corporate structure, corporate is leaning on you for this. It's supply chain, and you got 90% of your costs in supply chain, eating you alive, and some companies. So those four quadrants work together, and your homework with one person who's sitting on your side saying, well, tell me about this. I see you struggling. What does this one mean? And you turn to that person whom you trust, and you say, you know what, George? I have no idea. But it's part of the X-type, and I know the X-type is trying to teach me to be a better leader. I need to listen to it. I need to not jump out of it and turn these ideas into, here it comes, ladies and gentlemen, a list. I have seen this done innumerable times where the precision and the requirement of the X-type is turned into two or three or four lists. And all of the strength that is required by balancing those quadrants is gone. This is the brilliancy of the Japanese approach. They got a head start on us because they're basically a bento box society. They love order. They love balance. They love architecture. They love structure. You can see it everywhere in Japan. And when you think about it, they had to figure that out because they have so many millions of people on a very, very small archipelago that really has two main islands. you got to figure out how to stack people, how to use negative space and turn it into positive space, and how to squeeze it. (laughs) Perfection. Perfection for the... Japanese is not some out-of-reach goal. It is called balance, and it's a requirement. That is why they can play baseball games and make sure that it ends in a tie, because to them, that balance out, I was going to say out trumps, outweighs uh, winning. They're not a competitive society, but they are competitive with people who are non-Japanese. But within the society, harmony is the greatest outcome. Balance is the greatest outcome. Alignment, cohesion, we're in it together. It's a small boat. I don't think the X-type could have come with any popularity from the West. It's not the Western mind. But when the Western mind encounters it with its innovation and its kind of wild thing preference and its competitiveness, the X-type doesn't give an inch. It says, you want to learn how to be a great leader? You want to learn how to balance your vision with resources? You want to look reality in the face and turn it into a vision you can actually reach? Use me. Use me. It's a temporary obedience, and it's an obedience you will embrace because it will teach you. I'm the harsh professor, says the X-type to us. I am the harsh professor. I am not going to give up one single line. We didn't get to the fifth quadrant or the fifth section, and there's a sixth. And I think we'll get there today, but we'll pick this up in our next show. You know, for me, the X-type matrix is just, you know, it's a caramel latte with a lot of whipped cream. It is so yummy. That, by the way, is my downfall. 
And it is only because I refuse to give Starbucks the $5.86 that they want for a cup of coffee that I um, I want the caramel latte so much. I I only allow myself to have two a month because it's just too much of an indulgent indulgence. I'd rather give my money. In fact, I do give my money to heifer.org. Make my contribution so that a family in a village gets a cow or some part of a cow from me on a regular basis so these villages can grow their own economy, heifer.org. It's one of the best charities in the world. But that's what I love. I love I love the X-type matrix with that kind of yumminess because it is so demanding. It's yummy to me. And use it and let it teach you. Let it teach you and the person next to you. And then you can do as you did with the OSID, which is to ask your direct reports to fill it out. You know, what's your contribution? What's your X type look like? Let me walk you through the quadrants and this is what I want and don't show them yours. They will be uncomfortable because they will want to know what you want. Well, what do you want, boss? Ah, Thank you for being so uh, interested, but I'm not going to tell you. You've been working here, actually, some of you longer than I have, and I want to know what's in your mind, in your consciousness, and in your heart. What is it that you want? Come on. We're in this rowboat together. I have a job and you have a job. Hmm? So I'll give you two weeks. Find a buddy, one buddy. Don't talk to each other about it across buddy buckets. Do not. And then bring forth what you have and let us be interested in your thinking. And bear the discomfort because I've already done that. I've spent the last three months sussing this out. I haven't had all the time I've wanted, but it's taken me a little longer than expected. Now I want you to do it too. And if you want, you can have them do that simultaneously. It doesn't have to be after you. But it's just that you will not have gained the strength, if you need it, to say, stick with the matrix. Let it teach you. I have seen this benefit so many companies. And every time they say, well, let me make a list. Nope, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's in the contract too. You can't work with more than one person and you can't make it into a list, only a temporary list. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to those are four quadrants. I'm going to add a fifth quadrant. It's going to be as you filled up, remember the columns? The first column is filled up with the, the A and part of the C. I'm sorry, the A, the part of the B, and part of the D. So you're kind of bridging the first column going into the second column. The second column is kind of filled with the C, the targeted results. If you extend that further into the third column of the, the folds, this is landscape style, the folds, you're going to make another extension or like a tail. And you're going to name the people resources who relate to each of those targets and each of those projects. You're going to name them. And there'll be a grid of cells. But on these are your direct reports. They are the engineering department, purchasing, Supply chain, if you have it, HR, there'll be finance, there'll be planning, operations, engineering, if you separate it, whatever, department heads, whoever your direct reports are, they get lined up and then they, they, you design who participates in which projects. What you all have to do is after you design your dream team, is that you'll have to get their consent. Yes, okay, I'll participate. Or they'll say, I'm sorry, boss, I'm loaded, I can't. I've got these three other projects you gave me. They're maintenance projects. They're not improvement projects, but I can't. And no, I can't have any of my direct reports either. And you design that out. I'm sorry, boss, someone else has got to do it. And you say, but... We can't do the project without you. And then your direct report says, oh, you're breaking my heart. 
and they'll mean it. This sounds so yummy, but I got to clear this other, unless you want to relieve me of one of those objectives, probably two of them, because this one looks big. This one you want me, this new one. I can't do it. And you say, okay, let me think about it. And then you look at what you gave him and, you know, you you get aligned with that. You get honest and you say, yeah, those projects really do take priority. I'm going to have to wait on this other one. Ah, the discipline of market leaders, the discipline of leadership. Owning not only the vision, not only the what and where, but also the how. You're dealing with the who, who's going to be involved. I can't count on Eric. Not now. He's so busy. Got to take him out of play. All right. And you look at that. Now, in some cases, in some X-types, in some organizations, the head actually signs off, signs the X-type and says, you know, I'm in. Signs, Signs on the dotted line in terms of the commitment of time, which is then resourced in terms of this is going to cost you 30 hours in the next six months. And there are going to be ancillary projects coming out of it. So count another 30 hours for the projects that are offline in order to support, that feed into, in order to support this main project. This really works beautifully with some mechanisms of visual management. This is a form of visual management, but because it is such a premier leadership tool, I do not put it under visual management. It is not give me status in 30 seconds or 10 seconds now. I've actually seen that written. I want status in 10 seconds. Oh, yeah, why don't you have a donut instead? (laughs) You know? What cartoon book are you reading? (laughs) Who's feeding you these lines? Fire them. (laughs) Don't pass on the disease. (laughs) Have a cool glass of water. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) So you have that people resource. And what you can do as you work this through with your team, because, in fact, you will, you will land You will listen, you will land, you will be quiet and absorbing, you will contemplate, and then you'll come up with this plan. Yes, the first time around it takes some time, but man, you got to do this work at some point. You can't put it off. I want to kind of wrap up with just a few things. I want to give you a kind of uh, set of assumptions, and I've got three of them. And then we'll return to the X-type next week, the big squeeze. I like to call it the big squeeze, (laughs) the X-type matrix, building the case for leadership, the hungry kind. Here are three assumptions. They'll sound familiar to you. Leaders are substantially different than managers, and thank goodness for that. Number two, leaders need structure, architecture. If they are to effectively respond to the core dilemma of their role, saying yes to the few and wait to the many, that's what we've just been talking about. I can't resource it. Or I can only resource these five projects. I thought I could get seven out. The core dilemma of every executive and every leader saying yes to the few and knowing why, and wait to the many and knowing why. Not saying no, but just wait. And number three, the purpose of that structure. Leaders need structure. They need architecture. The purpose of that structure is to squeeze out the non-significant so that only the most essential remains. The big squeeze. It's just a flat 2D format, famously designed to hold a company's annual plan on a single page. The X-type matrix, oh, wonderful. Returning to the notion of bento box mind, the purpose of the bento box is to provide a well-balanced, nourishing meal that is beautifully yet compactly presented 
and portable, easy and safe to carry. The purpose of the X-Type matrix is much the same, to provide a structure, a visual structure, that helps the leader, you, design a blueprint that ensures the stability and the growth of the company over the course of a year, even as it maps out exact resources required to make it so, to operationalize it. The structure in both cases, Bentobox and X-Type, dictates the outcome. The structure dictates the outcome. The structure requires you to think. And by the way, there is a sixth piece of the X-Type that I use, which is what's in your toolbox. What capabilities and competencies does the company currently have to move forward into its improvement future? You have to know, you as an executive have to know what's in that toolbox and what level of competency is in place. More physical constraints. These physical constraints prevent us from turning this elegant, useful matrix into a wish list. Because the geography of the form is sparse and strict, we must be careful and eventually shrewd in our commitments, our pledges to excellence, because the format also requires that we resource our improvement vision, not just want it. We commit it to a single piece of paper. Incandescent. Thank you very much. As usual, I just really love sharing this with you. These formats are important to me. I teach them to my customers, my clients, the CEOs, the plant managers, and it helps them. And of course, that's very rewarding. And I'm sharing what I know with you. It gave me joy to learn it. It gives me joy to help others do it. And it gives me great joy uh, to send this radio show to you to hopefully be useful to your, uh, to your goals. I wish, you, I wish you a really great visual journey, but your journey to anywhere, may it be successful. Fellow traveler on this wondrous journey, I am so glad you're listening. Let the workplace speak. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'll talk to you the next time. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak. We'll be right back.